The trials of life teaches us patience. The trials of life sanctifies us. The trials of life bring revival. Pinagpalang araw, maligayang pakikinig sa CCF Runthrough. Ang paglalahad ng katotohanan patungkol sa panahong ito sa loob ng 30 minuto. Kung gusto mo pang makinig o makilala ang aming ministry, pwede nyo kaming bisitahin sa ccf.org.ph. Maligayang pakikinig! I want to begin our time together with a personal testimony. But before I do so, I'd like to ask us to pray and ask the Lord to bless this time in His Word together because, because in this great passage that I want to share with you today in Ezekiel chapter 37, it is a prophetic vision with a profound message that is pivoted around a compelling question. Son of man, can dry bones live? Would you bow with me in prayer then? Eternal God and Heavenly Father, once again, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Whatever is not from you, please scatter them to the wind so that they fall of no effect. But that which is from you, please deposit them in our hearts and help us to be here, not just hear us every word, but do us also, that we might grow thereby. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. If you ask me uh, to, to bring a message that is close to my heart, this is it. Because I believe that this agenda of God for revival God's way is at the heart of true discipleship. Listen carefully now. If we don't understand God's agenda for revival, God's desire for revival, God's way of revival, how He comes right across the grain of spiritual warfare to give us revival and victory, we will never really understand true discipleship. Because that morning, this is what the Lord said to me, Son, you have spent your years teaching discipleship. Now, for the rest of your life, teach discipleship leadership in the light of spiritual warfare and the principles of revival and victory in Christ Jesus that we might mature in Him. So if you're ready, turn with me in your Bibles now to Ezekiel chapter 37, and I want to share with you on God's way of revival. Ezekiel chapter 37, a prophetic vision, the valley of dry bones with a profound message before the Lord. Look at verse 3, son of man, can these bones live? There are three answers. The first is an obvious answer. Dry bones cannot live. That's the natural answer. Because the question is not, can this corpse live? The corpse have become bones and the bones have become dry bones. There is no life in bones, skeletons and dry bones. So the obvious answer is no, dry bones cannot live. Second answer is a seemingly spiritual answer. Can dry bones live? Of course dry bones can live. The problem with that answer is that there is a false sense of triumphalism. And that is, we come to determine whether these bones can live or not. We determine what we want. Of course, dry bones can live without asking whether it is God's desire and agenda for dry bones to live. The third answer is given by the prophet himself. It is the best answer of all. 
Can dry bones live? And the answer he gave is, Oh Lord, oh Lord God, you know. In other words, I'm dependent upon you. I'm surrendered to you. I don't have the answer. You are the almighty one. If you want dry bones to live, they shall live. If you judge the dry bones, they shall not live. You are sovereign over all. Can you see the principle now? We got to learn to bow to the sovereignty of God. Because as I said in the IDC conference, I said our posture determines our perspective. And the prophet have this posture of surrender, this posture of dependence upon the Lord. Oh Lord, you know. He wasn't presumptuous. There was a quiet dependence upon the Lord. And now the Lord gave him in the narrative that follows three dimensions of revival and he records the words of the Lord. And that's what I want to share with you in Revival God's Way. Three critical dimensions of revival that we must understand. Now let me pause for a moment to say this. Revival is so important because it empowers us to live out the truth of God. The problem with discipleship today is we assume knowledge is spirituality. The more knowledge you know, the more Bible knowledge, the more theological knowledge, wow, you are spiritual. You see, our problem is we have lost sight of what true spirituality is. There are many things we have substituted for true spirituality. One of which is knowledge. And so discipleship is seen as a transfer of knowledge. I have knowledge, I transfer to you, we are making disciples. Whether or not we are living out those biblical truths. And I've learned you cannot live out biblical truth without the empowering of God, without the revival of God. That's why revival is so important. By the way, another way we assume our, our spirituality is spiritual giftedness. Oh, he's such a wonderful Bible teacher. Oh, this person is so gifted in faith and, and the gift of healing, the gift of teaching, the gift of evangelism. Whoa, this person is so gifted. He or she must be spiritual. Listen carefully now. Spirituality is not marked by spiritual giftedness. The gift of the Spirit is a gift that God's Spirit gives to different ones. It is not a mark of spiritual maturity. So being spiritually gifted is different from being Spirit-filled. And it's the Spirit-filled life, not the Spirit-gifted life, that's the mark of maturity. Here's the point. You can have an individual a Christian who is very gifted, very talented, but living a carnal life, not surrendered to the Lord. Dry bones. And so the first thing we realize as a first dimension of revival is the promise of God for revival. This is the work of God. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 is the promise of God. Let's start with verse um, 4. 
when, when the prophet said, Oh Lord, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, Oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Pay attention to the verbs. I will, you shall. Do you get that? I will, God says, and you shall. Here's the principle. The spiritual life and discipleship is not possible in our own strength. It's a work of God. It's the initiative of God. It's the I will of God. And when God wills His will in us, when God does His work in us, we shall. Very often we reverse it. I will and God shall. God didn't say that. It is Him, His work, His promises, I will. And listen, the promises of God doesn't have a shelf life. It has no expiry date. And God promises this, I will revive them. I will do a deep work. I will cause my breath to enter them, enter you and you shall live. The context here is the spiritual restoration of Israel. But the principle is the revival of God unto His people. So, what do we do when God revives us, when God initiates it? Here's the key to revival. It's not rocket science. It's not that difficult. Let me give you the key. What happens when God initiates His work in us? How do we respond? What's the key to revival? It's not complicated. Don't overcomplicate it. It's simple. It goes like this. Draw a circle. And in that circle on the floor, step into the circle and say, Lord, revive everything within the circle. Start with me. Revive me, O God. You want revival in your family? Start with yourself. Lord, start with me. Revive me. Revive everything in this circle. You want revival in your DG, in your cell group? Start with yourself. Lord, here am I. Revive me. You want revival in the church? Start with me. You want revival in this nation? Start with me. That's the key to revival. And so when we say we long for revival in our church, revival in our nation, we come into the circle and say, Lord, start this revival with me. That's the key. And the key is not, let's do something great for God. Let, let's do our effort, our self-effort. No, the key is this. As you say, Lord, revive me, you say, Lord, I don't have the strength for revival. I don't have the wisdom for revival. Lord, I need you. You will, and I shall. You will breathe into me, you promise, O oh God. You will revive me, you promise, O oh God. Start with me. You will, and I shall. We come in the strength of the Lord. And when we come in the strength and the power of God, we see Him mightily at work in our lives. Please understand, my beloved brothers and sisters, we live in desperate times. We live in broken times. 
We live in a time where there is a fracture with the family. There's a fracture in society. There's a fracture in the pain in a fallen, broken world. Satan will do everything to destroy, to destroy you, to destroy your family, to destroy everything you love and desire in the name of God. Your ministry, your life, your purpose. He will do everything to disrupt and destroy. And what is needed in our broken, fallen world is the revival of God. And this revival of God is not to call you to sacrifice. Please get this. Many of us are afraid to surrender to God because our thinking is, Lord, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I surrender to you, you're going to take me and you wring me dry and you leave me to hang to dry. That's not it. When you surrender to God, He pours forth His grace and His love and His gift into your life to revive you, to strengthen you. So come before the Lord and say, start with me. That's God's promise for revival. If you come to Him, He will start with you, your family, your ministry, your purpose in life, your discipleship. That's the first dimension of revival. There's a second dimension of revival, and that is the prospect of revival. The first is the promise in the work of God, the initiative of God. The second is the prospect of revival in the way of God. In other words, we cannot try to initiate revival and, and push our own self-effort towards revival without understanding the way of God. So the question is, if God has promised revival so that dry bones can live, what is God's way for revival? And when we ask how can these things be, we find the key given to us in verse 4 and verse 9. Look at verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy. Now, what does prophesy mean? It means to speak forth by faith in this context. Speak forth by faith to the dry bones that they shall live. How? By declaring to them the word of God. By declaring to them the promise of God. By declaring to them the power of God. It is the word of God that brings life. That is why the word of God is so foundational to Christian discipleship. Prophesy unto the bones. Speak to them what? The word of God, the promise of God, the principles of God, the truth of God in the revealed word of God. I have said this often in the discipleship conference uh, that I speak in. And I want to remind you again, for those of you who have been in the conference and those of you who not, I want to share this truth with you. The most important world you live in is the unseen world. The most precious commodity in the unseen world is truth. And this truth is found in the Word of God. This truth is found in divine revelation. It's not by tradition. It's not by institution. It's not by reason or experience. It's by revelation. And that's why the Word of God is foundational. Prophesy over these bones. What? 
the word of God. Dry bones shall live by the power of his promise, by the power of his word. Then one is prophesied to the winds. C.H. Spurgeon says, and I believe he's right, that prophesied to the bones is preaching of the word of God and prophesied to the wind is prayer. To, to the spirit of the Lord, to the breath of God, to the wind of God, prayer. And when you come to the New Testament, the word of God and prayer is joined together. The apostles gave themselves to the word of God, the preaching of the word and to prayer. And, and this is revival God's way. If it is God's work for revival, not ours, then we ought to pray. Because here's the principle, when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. You get that? When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. That is why the prayer life and the word life is so important. Prayer and the word of God is to be joined together as a spiritual twin engine for the spiritual life. Prophesy to the wind, prophesy to the dry bones and see. And the prophet came and he prophesied. He spoke God's word. And then what happened? In the vision of the valley of dry bones, the bones came together, the sinews came together, the muscles came together. And then he observed, whoa, there was a rattling of bones. The skeletons came together and the, the sinews and the flesh, but he said, but there is no life in them. So what does he do? That's why verse 9 says, prophesize to the wind, I will put my spirit within them and they shall live. This is revival God's way. God has a way to tutor us in the things of the spirit. God has a way in our circumstances of life to show us how he wants to sanctify us, how he wants to strengthen us so that we can walk in the glory and the grace of the power of God and work in our lives over and above all our circumstances because Jesus is victorious. The name of Jesus is powerful over all of life's circumstances. Jesus is always in control. The Lord is on his throne. He cares. He will take care of us. What he's teaching me, I want to impart to you, is that whatever your pain, whatever your affliction, whatever your circumstance, Jesus reigns over it all. It's a gift from him to tutor us. Now I understand from my own experience that the trials of life teaches us patience. The trials of life sanctifies us. In fact, listen carefully now. The trials of life bring revival. I have not been more dependent upon the Lord, more in love of Jesus uh, without going through these trials. And when I look at it, this is revival God's way. In what sense? In a sense of trusting Him. Trusting His promises trusting his way that he says, 
prophesy and speak his word, his truth that will set us free. And God achieve his deepest work in us in our darkest days. For in our darkest days, God does his deepest work. Let me now come to the third dimension of revival that is not usually seen when we come to this passage in Ezekiel 37. You see, usually when we come to this chapter in Ezekiel 37, this is what we say. Can dry bones live? Oh Lord, you know. And God said, prophesy, and the prophet did. And whoa, the bones all rattled together and they came, but there's no breath in them. And God said, prophesy to the breath. And he did. And whoa, the breath came into them. They rose an exceedingly great army. And we stopped there. We say that's the prophetic vision of Ezekiel 37. It's not. Because there's a third dimension of revival we miss. Let's go to the third dimension as we come to the last uh, lesson we learned here. The promise of revival, the, way, the work of God, the prospect of revival, the way of God, and the purpose of revival, the will of God. There's a purpose to that revival. The purpose of revival is not just to make us strong. The purpose of revival is not just to make us spiritual. The purpose of revival is not just to make us a nice person. The purpose of revival is so that the nations might know there is a true and living God. So look at now, right at the end of, of uh, the chapter, verse 28. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel, where my sanctuary, my throne, the place of worship is in their midst forevermore. When God is enthroned, where the presence of God is, there is the sanctification of the people of God so that the nations would know. Do you get that? The purpose of revival is so that the nations might know there is a living God. When we, the church, are revived, we have a powerful testimony before the watching world. But when the church becomes like dry bones, we lose our testimony. So how do we become a testimony in that revival? Look at what it says now uh, in, in what God does when He revived. When He revived, notice the true movement, uh, the three movements from Valley of Dry Bones, the, the army came together but there's no breath. And then from no breath, they, the breath of God came upon them, they rose an exceedingly great army, but it doesn't stop there. The vision continues, which is there will be two sticks joined as one. Look at verse 15 now. Ezekiel 37, 15. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take a stick and write on it for Judah and the people of Israel associated with him. Take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel associated with him. Verse 17. And join them one to another into one stick. Let me bring this principle to you and then I'll draw to a close. God's revival is a unifying revival. It's not just an individual revival for you and me. It starts with individual. The circle, Lord, starts with me. But once it starts with me and the fire of revival spreads out, it's a unifying revival. Two six become one. 
Now, in application, these two six basically is very clear. The house of Israel, the house of Judah, the two kingdoms becoming one under the hand of God. But prophetically, in application, there are polarities and differences in the body of Christ. So, so you can see the, the opposites, the polarities, the young and the old coming together, the rich and the poor coming together, the educated, the highly educated and lowly educated coming together, men and women coming together, church leaders and marketplace leaders coming together. Two sticks become one for the glory of God. God's revival is a unifying revival. Why? Get this now. I told you right from the beginning, Satan is attacking the church. How does he attack the church? Through deception, through discouragement, through defilement, through sin, and then through division. He wants to divide the marriages. He wants to divide the families, parents and children. He wants to divide the church, uh, DG members. He wants to divide the pastoral staff. He wants to divide the members with the pastors. Satan masters in dividing. God wants to unify. And his revival, the key, the, the, the essence, the evidence of revival is the unity unto love. I read somewhere in the social media that if you take 100 black ants and 100 red ants and you put them together, they don't fight. You put 100 black ants and 100 red ants into a jar, they do not fight. But when you shake the jar, Suddenly, the red ants think that the black ants are the enemies. The black ants think the red ants are the enemies. And they fight each other without realizing the true enemy is the one who shakes the jar. So here's my question. Who's shaking your jar in the home? If you're married, who's shaking the jar in your marriage? If you're a parent, who's shaking your child with, um, with parent-child relationship? If you're a member of church, who's shaking the jar? That's the enemy. I want to come to a close to say when God revives, it's a unifying revival. It goes all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant that the Israel was meant to be a blessing unto the nations. For through you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And we are the true sons of Abraham. We are the sons of faith. And as the spiritual sons of Abraham, God is reuniting again the sons of Abraham for His purposes unto the nations. That they will know whatever brokenness and pain in the society, Jesus is enthroned and you are victorious in the name of Jesus. Oh, there can be joy in spite of the circumstances. There can be joy in spite of the pain. There can be joy when Jesus is enthroned in your life and the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord becomes the fantastic testimony that Jesus is alive and dry bones can live. That's the power of the gospel. Would you rise up and pray with me now? Oh, eternal God and heavenly Father, I thank you that dry bones can live in the name of Jesus. And this day, Lord, I pray you please help us to realize that in this fallen, broken world, there will be trials and tribulations. There will be difficulties. There will be illnesses and challenges and problems. 
But if we focus on ourselves and our problems, we'll be miserable because the one who shakes our jar is the evil one who confuses, who intimidates us, who condemns us, who, who creates a sense of rejection in our life when you actually love us. So this day, Lord, revive us. And the power of the name of Jesus, we shall see dry bones living as a living testimony testifying to the power of God. My dear friends, my time is caught up with me, but I want to pray for you. Some of you are going through challenges in your life. It could be health challenges, financial challenges, relational challenges. It could be marriage challenges or parenting challenges, whatever challenges you might face. This day, bring your burden to the Lord. Bring your challenge to the Lord. Because the Lord wants to give you the victory that is in Christ Jesus, the joy of the Lord that shall be your strength. He's only asking you to come before Him, humble yourself before Him, and allow His mighty work in your life so that whatever dry bones might be inside, it shall live. And so if you have these challenges, whatever they may be, God knows. I want to pray for you. Would you raise up your hand? If you say, Lord, I have a challenge. It could be health concern. It could be financial concern. I have a challenge. Help me, God. I'm going to pray for you that the joy of the Lord will be your strength, that the power and the grace and the promise of God will see you through when Jesus is enthroned in your life. Oh, eternal God and heavenly Father, I pray now for my dear brothers and sisters in CCF and for those who are visiting from other churches as we lift our hands before you in the midst of all the pains and trials and afflictions of life we can see the power of Jesus at work when we are surrendered afresh to him and the power of spiritual victory that is in Jesus Christ our Lord so this day Lord for each one, each hand, each heart lifted up to you I pray for a mighty revival, a revival God's way, that we will come humbly in the circle of revival to say, start the revival in me, O oh God. It's not just about my health, it's not just about my finances, it's not just about my family or relationship or my ministry. It's about you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord of kings and the, Lord, the King of lords, that you, the Lord Jesus, might be glorified. So do this deep work in us, Lord, and throne Jesus in our lives because He is alive and in Him dry bones shall live. For this we give you thanks, O God, in Jesus' magnificent name. And the people of the Lord say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.